What's the point of the point? And why does it matter? It's the difference between wisdom and glorified banter. The answer has answers all interconnected. Cause no part of true truth should feel they're rejected. You can argue and fight for each nugget of knowledge and defend each new truth as you would in college. But the real true answer is just how they're adjoined. Cause what we're all really seeking is the point of the point. Notice how bees in a whole colony function as if it is one bee. Some may sacrifice their lives for the sake of their colony, as in when they sting. Ants act the same way. I've seen a documentary about ants in the Amazon. They can move whole large animals. They have a group think. Wolves work together in a pack, each having their own personality and function within the pack, but nevertheless work as a cohesive group. I believe that to understand people's behavior, your work environment, your own personal tendencies, one must give some consideration to the greater context, the pack, the colony. I believe that our personal idiosyncrasies are diminished or enhanced by the unsaid needs of the greater group, our society, your school, your church, your region of the world, the whole world. Hi, this is Dr. Golden, and welcome to The Point of the Point. Today's episode is entitled, Of Ants, Earth, and Aliens. Some of what I say could be considered possibly offensive, or at least a bit insensitive to a few people. Please, please, please. That is absolutely not my intention. My intention is to posit a theory for why we behave in certain ways and why others do. It is moving towards an objective understanding of why that happens. In fact, my intention is also that you are proud and understanding of who you are, who you identify as, and why you tend to do what you do. So, if you simply can't hear this in that light, or don't think you can, please exit from this episode and wait for the next one. Okay. Are you ready for my opinion? Good. We all have an individual consciousness perspective, and tendencies. We have our own life path. Our family is a collection of individuals. The family has its own consciousness, its own favored narrative, essentially its own life and identity. Whether or not you are adopted or have unusual traits in your family, 
You are part of the narrative of the family. Even if you are the rebel or the weird one or the genius, these are characters in the narrative. You are family. Family understands that you are of the family. However, if you reject the whole of the family narrative, do you know what? Other family members, both favored and unfavored, will not really recognize you as part of the family. Even with the same environment and the same DNA. That is because you are outside of the family influence, the family narrative. Inwardly or outwardly, you are disowned. And whether you know it or not, the disconnect is mutual. The family is then a colony and has a life of its own. So... A community is to a family as a family is to a member of the family. If a family is not in agreement with the community, they get treated as outcasts of the community until they leave. Otherwise, each family has their role in the community narrative. This analogy continues up through regions, states, nations, and the world. And in the various elements of society, such as religion, politics, work, etc. Now, what is the main motivator in colony behavior? I think it is survival. The relationship between the colony and its environment. It is how to maximize the colony's chances of survival from the point of view of the colony. That is almost always the reaction to the environmental changes around them. I will get into those few exceptions in a bit. So, in our colony, as represented with our region and our regional demographics, we respond to the environment to maximize survival of the colony. The southern U.S. and strong MAGA supporters have their own colony, so to speak. The left coast is another colony. This is true all over the world. And survival and thriving are the principal concerns of the colony. In this world, at this time, there is becoming a preponderance of people and colonies that are sensing a trend of ever-limiting resources and danger. This is from climate change, which is now a real reality to these groups. The colony, then, needs to limit 
and possibly reduce growth of population. On the other hand, just two lovers in a fertile tropical island will likely create the perception that maximum population growth is needed and desired. The Garden of Eden. So, colonies will adapt to conditions on the ground. The greater resources, stable ecosystems, and the fewer people, the more likely population growth will happen, and happen dramatically. The fewer resources, unstable ecosystems, and the more people, the more likely the population will actually decrease. In our world, the colonies that are most in touch with climate considerations have zero to negative growth, such as in Western Europe. My theory, then, is while we all have a level of free will and have individual life purposes and personal tendencies, the colony puts a green light, encouragement, on some tendencies and a red light, discouragement, on others, as to guide the colony overall to produce more or fewer people. Objectively, how does population growth happen? Test tubes aside, you need a female willing and able to reproduce and then to provide an environment that will enable a child to survive to the point where they can reproduce. I will use the terms female and male to continue the analogy. And the colony gives a green light or a red light to that. It can still be done with a red light, but it is a conflict with the colony. Likewise, it doesn't have to happen if the colony gives it a green light, but again, that may be in conflict with the colony. There may be other organizing principles, values, etc. in each colony, but I believe that the regulation of the population of the colony is almost always the primary organizational principle. So, let's look at what happens in societies that reduce populations, maintain populations, and expand populations. In the world of males and females, the females generally do the production and the regulation of populations. In other words, when females have no power to regulate the populations, Males will not suddenly regulate the population. That means that in the Garden of Eden, or the tropical island situation, where regulation is not very necessary, the population may quickly expand. Or maybe there was a terrible famine or disease, 
but it is gone, and now there are ample resources and a friendly environment. In those situations, males are very dominant, and females are passive, and have little power, or maybe even little will, to regulate the population. So they have many children. In an environment where males are somewhat dominant, but females have some power, there is likely a slower linear growth in population, maybe three or four children. In an environment where there is equal power, the population will have little or no growth and correspond to around two children. And in an environment where females are dominant and males are passive, you are likely to get negative growth. This is true for any micro or macro colony. So, the point of the point is anything that limits the population is good if the colony needs a reduced population. There is a sea or lake, I forget where, but the temperature has climbed 10 degrees recently. That has made many male frogs have female genitalia. That is a fact. So whether we as a colony determine a reduced population or the ecosystem responds on its own, it will happen. I believe that the new awareness an apparent rise of alternate relationships and identities that we are now seeing in the Western world, along with the breakdown of traditional family structures, is the response to our environment by the colonies involved. And to the degree that any given colony perceives environmental distress. At this time, many, if not most, colonies are making these behaviors normative. And that is cool, because it is those colonies' responses to the environment as it is presently. And that choice beats negative growth because of famine, disease, or war, which for these purposes work equally well. And the forces of nature would just as easily inflict upon us as the colonies self-regulating. Today, females are now much more controlling the reins of power such as women heads of state, as a direct result of the environmental uncertainty. In the future, should this situation reverse itself through science, etc., then the power balance may change again. In the cycle of humanity, it begins with male dominance and moves to equality, to female dominance, to equality, and back to male dominance, in theory, and it can start and end anywhere on that cycle. 
There is no superior nor inferior condition. Although stable societies and a balance of power makes for more security, contentment, and peace. So, what about cultures today that have a very male-dominant culture, complete with rape, no legal abortion, incest, moral police, and the like? Either those colonies are not being affected by the coming climate crisis. Let's say that this is really unlikely. The other possibility is that the established subcolony, the queen and her entourage, the most influential players who most control the narrative of the overall colony, are resisting the inevitable reality because the real reality falls outside of the colony narrative. The subgroup, or the main influencers of the invisible mindset of the colony, are working in their own interests and are not identified with the colony as much as with their own subcolony elites. They act as kind of parasites of the colony, controlling the messaging of the environment to the rest of the colony so they can just stay with the good old days. The colony may be behaving perfectly normal a hundred years ago, like the Wild West, or 12,000 years ago, coming out of their caves in the Ice Age. But not really relevant for today's environmental situation. The colony will either continue to behave in this way and perish, or much of the colony will rebel and establish a new narrative and more likely survive. It is not good or bad. The colony responds to the environment and survives, or it doesn't. Simple. Note, generally, males seem to be more easily influenced by the colony impulse towards war. This is because after war, there is great reconstruction and an ensuing population boom, all of which favors male dominance. It's not the war itself. It's the spoils of war. Now, because of COVID, people can work from home, have computer, cell phones, and be totally connected to their work, and thus have the ability to move great distances. Red people in blue states are migrating to red states and vice versa, which increases the polarization between the red and blue colonies. So, most recent newcomers to Florida moved right into the path of this last hurricane. 
And because they are so happy being red and finally living in this reddish kind of state where they can have a pleasant social life, I've heard such people say that they absolutely want to rebuild right in the path of the hurricane again, right in the lowland, believing in their own narrative right to the end. They are happy in this red paradise, and their blindness will eventually damage, if not destroy them, and ultimately much of, if not the whole, colony. Unless the colony changes and adapts, which could very well happen, at least to some degree. But maybe not. This is all not good. It's not bad. But it's how it is as far as I can see. But Dr. Golden, so how does all of this relate to Earth and the aliens? Good question. I will first discuss how this relates with Earth, and then I will discuss aliens. The greatest human super colony on Earth is literally every human being on Earth, all of us. We are all a part of this magnificent super colony of Earthlings living here on Earth. And this super colony is the sum total of all of the subcolonies and individuals living on Earth. All of our narratives, competing narratives, cooperative narratives, all here at once. And we are only one species of animal. And all species of plants and animals in their own way live in colonies and super colonies. So, the super-duper colony of life on Earth includes us and all other life here on Earth. Mother Earth is rapidly changing in profoundly dangerous ways for us. Whole species, many, are no longer here. All life on Earth is the collective energy, light, and life that emanates from this planet of ours. We are individually and collectively life on Earth. Life on Earth is hemorrhaging. Humanity needs to know this, deeply know this, each colony needs to know this. And this means that the leaders and influencers of colonies that are more self-interested than interested in you and the planet must have their narratives changed or removed so that we, as the most able species to actually repair this world, 
can quickly and effectively do it. Corruption from the powerful influencers in some colonies are acting as mass murderers of humanity and all of life, whether they know it or not, or choose not to know it. Corruption kills. Distortion and lies kill. Narcissism and greed kill all of us. That is not a value judgment or a moral opinion. It is actually the truth as it is today. I wish it wasn't so. And today, it kills exponentially more people to the point where it is now threatening our own existence, as well as the very health and well-being of our amazing planet that supports us and all of the innocent life around us. We are all leaves of the tree of Mother Earth. We are her children, and we are the flowers which express the very essence and the very best of our mother. We are not of or in this life in any coherent way without our mother. Some people, such as Elon Musk, want us to escape to Mars or wherever. But this is our home. Earth needs us and we need Earth. We stand at the gateway of the heavens, processing that heavenly energy for Earth as we stretch ourselves into the heavens because of the nourishment of our great earth. We don't know the unknowns of other planets. We are not the products of their energies, generally. I'd bet on home and keeping home happy, safe, and clean and in good repair. Earth has the kind of energy that makes you feel centered and balanced and grounded and connected to the beauty and passion of this world, from this world, of this world. When that energy is weakened, diffused, or becomes impure or sputters, we feel it on a daily basis. We are continuously fed by our Mother Earth. We are supported and loved by Mother Earth. And we are the ultimate expressions of this whole planet. And we are vibrationally more closely related to other life forms on Earth than alien life forms. 
we need to actively work on the inner level to love and connect with this earth and pray that all of life on earth can join in. Pray for a healthy, vibrant Mother Earth and do it in a deep and profound, selfless love. So, Dr. Golden, where does that leave aliens? Well, they are out of this world. Sorry for the dad joke. I think the issue of whether there is or isn't aliens from other planets is no longer an issue. Our government has acknowledged it. And there is an infrastructure in place that is working on this issue. Deeper research strongly suggests, complete with evidence, that some governments are actively working with them, ours included. The main difference between aliens and us is that while we all get our energy from the heavens, they get their energy from and are expressions of their respective planets. For them to be able to contact us and do seemingly miraculous things tells us that they are much more highly evolved than we are. And while one race of aliens may have different characteristics and different levels of evolution, we are children next to all of them. We are coexisting among this great constellation of alien civilizations. That, my friends, is humanity's greater family. We are still very much us, but we on a grander scale work with others and must work with others to secure the most benevolent outcomes for all. So, in terms of where humanity is right now, we are the party house down the street where mom and dad just went for a night out and the teens have taken over and are partying up a storm. The neighbors right now, the aliens, are keeping a special watch on Earth because they don't want us to do anything that would be dangerous or have bad repercussions upon the neighborhood. You know, like nuclear stuff. They don't want to get too much into our business. It's just that they really don't want things to get out of control. So there is a lot of special attention we are getting right now. And personally, I am very grateful for that. As I said, most of these beings are truly kind, way more advanced and wiser than us. But there are a few exceptions in the kind and wise department. I don't want to dwell on it, as that would give it more attention. But there was an especially troubling situation that happened to Earth very recently because of a renegade alien group. All of this is for entertainment purposes only. 
But I have reason to believe that a renegade group from Ares came here to take us over with the purpose of mining our resources. They picked the Nazis, who called themselves the Aryan race, or Aryans. So, they were their foot soldiers for those hostile aliens. Ultimately, this situation led us to using nuclear weapons, a no-no in the community. So, these bad guys have been shooed out of the neighborhood by likely our alien neighbors. I only mention this because this issue seems ignored, and it is sort of our guarantee that the neighbors will make sure we can deal with existential crises in the future, such as climate change and weapons of mass destruction, while not interfering with our normal ups and downs. Because they realize we are just gullible children and can be duped. It has been said that aliens will be more and more in plain sight for most people in the next several years. They are not automatically the good guys, but it is highly likely that they are. It is something you can immediately feel, sense. Just like feeling the presence of other people, or dogs, or any living thing. If it feels light, open, expansive, warm, empathetic, wise, it probably is. If it feels scary, manipulative, out to get something, well, just like people, they probably are. Now, if that occurs, don't feed it your fear. That makes you weak and helpless, and likely to get conned. Call on your angels and support system, whoever and whatever they are, and spread life, light, and openness to wash all darkness away. Put your attention on limitless white light and the love that only a god of this universe could perceive. That kind of love. Your imagination is your superpower. And if controlled and directed by you, turns into an eternal fountain of powerful, wonderful realities, providing it is in alignment with the basic truths of the universe. At this time, into the future, I send you that kind of love. Because as of right now, that is my full intention. That is my clear image from imagination. 
And that content is from my heart, which is connected to the heart of all hearts, just as your heart is. Well, that's a wrap. Obligatory note, every word and every note of this episode is original content created for entertainment purposes only. Got it? Thanks for listening. Tune in to our next episode of Point to the Point. This is Dr. Golden signing off. Cause the real true answer is just how they're adjoined. Cause what we're all really seeking is the point of the point.